My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. Today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, who you could find wearing a hat. Mm-hmm. He said he's a hat man. I'm a and hat he- guy. And damn well, he meant it. He, he showed up to the. It does look good. My man Thank is you. a Nike ambassador, fresh from Florida, <laughs> with a tan and a new hat. Kate Onder, who you could find writing about video games over at comicbook.com. Also, we are joined by our buddy Brandon Katz, who you could find analyzing analytics at Parrot Analytics. Welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. It has been a few weeks. Somebody chirped me on Twitter. Is this still a podcast? Yes, it is. And until I change the name, it will remain one. But for the time being, this is just something that we do on the side for fun. So we are glad to have you all here with us for that. Now, to start, we haven't been on the show in a while. There is nothing particularly big going on this week in the world of pop culture. So we're just going to catch up. B and I have been watching Succession. Cade, you've seen a ton of movies. What's good in the world of film these days, dude? I saw Evil Dead Rise, which is a movie, I think, when we did our, like, anticipated lists towards yeah. the beginning of the year that was that was on my list somewhere i don't know if it was number one 40 million was... right fantastic yeah. huge or... yeah yeah uh worldwide worldwide uh-huh. um, still yeah huge uh so that's awesome i really love that movie it's really funny uh, some people say oh it's not very funny like it's it's like dark funny like i retweeted a video of this character stabs the monster in the movie and there's like just like a shot of them just kind of staring at each other and there's nothing being said there's no music and then just hard cut to her getting thrown through a door and it's just I like see that it's stuff like that that's just like super funny and and like the kind of stuff i love about evil dead uh super gory super uh spooky so i really love that um, that's uh, sam raimi's like call call to fame right Great. yeah 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 I've um, never seen a single one of them, but this either. one looks so gnarly that I do want to see it. It's super gory, super violent, super over the top, and uh, it's all the right. It's got all the good stuff. I mean, like the first five minutes of the movie is just fucking like, yeah, we're back. Evil Dead's here. Here's someone getting their scalp ripped off. In <laughs> That's intense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else did I see? I saw The Covenant, the new Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Uh, Guy Ritchie. My boys. Really good. Um Guy Ritchie's kind of hit or miss sometimes. Bro, what's not... his deal? He just churns out a film per year? I don't understand. He had another I... movie a couple months ago. With I know. Jason it's, it's a, well, I think that that one was like a vague COVID backup. But Probably. yeah, he's just always working this guy. And honestly, I love that. Like, even though not everything is a banger, like, this is a guy who clearly just likes to make movies. You can rely on him. And just does so. Yeah. And even even the ones that aren't great, like, are still like, yeah, I'm I'm glad I watched it. You know, yeah. I like The Gentleman, not the greatest movie, but I'm happy I saw it. I like um, The Gentleman. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a solid movie. Low and key, the only good too. role that McConaughey has had post True Detective. Yeah, that's probably accurate. And then, oh my gosh, I saw something else. Uh, Bo is Afraid. Oh, the yeah, one. The Discourse. That's a weird Wait, movie. B, did you see it as well? Or? No, I haven't seen it in, a, you know, film you Twitter, see what you want. I don't like Ari Aster movies. I don't like, <laughs> like You I, will not I like this I don't know one. what the fuck's going on the entire time, and it's just bizarre for bizarre's sake. Like, you you want to love that? Like, I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. You can do what you want, but don't act like I'm some, you know, uncultured <laughs> swine because I don't want to watch, like, gory guts be ripped out of a woman for a metaphor for three hours this is like his probably like least violent movie like when there is violence it is violent uh and there's like dicks and stuff all over the place but uh it's had a dick or something uh, yeah (laughs) like literally is 
dad is a yeah, is a like his dad's a penis, dick. like right? Or yeah, something it's like that. It's uh, it's a whole thing. Um, I love. Like, I the respect the of hustle of this man getting a multi-million oh, yeah. dollar company to pay him to work out whatever fucked up problems he really has. (laughs) This movie costs almost $40 million to make and it will not make it back, I'm sure. But I'm not saying his artistry isn't isn't nice and everything and the acting isn't good, I'm sure. But like, I just do not like those movies at all. It's it's the most of the three that he's made that's kind of like, okay, someone probably could have come in and told you like, reel it in a a bit here. Because I think the movie's actually really great. Until he starts to just be like, here's 10 minutes of shit that just feels like it has nothing to do with the movie. And it probably does in some abstract way. But like, you can only go so far in that abstract direction until it gets frustrating. And then the one last thing I'll say, Barry. Barry's great. Mm, Barry. Yeah, I've watched episode one. I've still got to catch up a bit on that. B, thoughts on this season of Succession so far? Hey y'all, it's Eric. I didn't say this live on the show, even though I probably should have. But we are going to be discussing season four of Succession in full spoiler territory. So if you have not seen the latest episodes of the show and you one day plan to, I would skip ahead to around the 14 minute mark, which is when we will be discussing CinemaCon and all of the discourse around The Flash. All right, 14 minutes, skip ahead if you do not want spoilers for Succession, which are starting now. Uh, I mean, episode three was an all timer. I think this last week obviously was a bit of a a, a slowdown, but still great. Like this show is going out with four elite seasons, you know, nothing really dropped below elite. And even though they had maybe two or three episode dips in terms of of like top tier quality, like sometimes it, it wasn't always there. The fact that Succession is just killing it in its final season is so, so satisfying on an elemental couch potato nerds level. I love it. Do you, are you bracing yourself for a certain type of ending? Like, what do you think the end game of a show like this is? It's kind of hard for me to picture it because despite the death of such a seismic character that Logan Roy was, everything still feels largely status quo. The characters are changing, but the world around them is not. So I don't really know. Whereas like every show whether it be on a macro world scale scale or on a micro personal scale, has what amounts to like life or death stakes in a loose way. I don't see a way in which anybody in this show technically loses. And that kind of makes it hard for me to see like a dramatic conclusion, if that makes sense. I just think the kids are going to turn on each other again. You know, Kendall going full Logan is that heartbreaking soil destiny I talked about. But is he full tweet. Logan? He's starting to go full Logan, and I think he's going to embrace that. I, I, I don't necessarily think this is a show where the characters are going to walk away with some lesson learned. And I think that's very much the point. I mean, you're supposed to hate everybody. You can be entertained by them, but it's not like I like Tom or I like you know, Roman, but you can, there are moments of sympathy. So I I think, um, you know, ironically, modern family said it really well for all of life. People can't really change, but for the people that they love, they can change up to 15%, which is a very poignant kind of beautiful thing that I actually think is true for humanity. I I don't think anyone's going to change. I think the question is, can like someone like Roman or Kendall, like preserve enough of their soul to be human going forward probably not and if it ends on status quo with all of them three just doing what they've always done stabbing each other in the back playing power games being the worst versions of themselves 
I love that because that's a statement in and of itself that fits very much within the succession thematics and character building. You know, like the final season of succession. I'm sorry. Uh, you guys are talking about it. Like, does it does it feel like it's coming to an end or because I know well, the actors said they they didn't know. That's kind of my feeling about it. Like outside of the Logan Roy death, you know what I mean? All right. So this is a loose comparison and i'm not trying to compare everything to the mcu right but let's say you know when you are built <laughs> your on, only frame of reference in life <laughs> no, no no i will make other ones when you conclude no, any trilogy or any series think about the end of the fucking leftovers which my girlfriend just got through it was literally this about the end of the of world reference. if you look at like mad men which i've not seen it yeah. ends with like this notoriously capitalistic monster finding peace right like i don't think that any of those sort of conclude or even breaking bad walt dies sopranos tony dies these are the type of cultural pop cultural touchstones that succession is in a league with and i am just having a hard time picturing the cascading wave of conclusion right now i just don't feel that sure yeah i think a lot of shows do a good job of uh putting that Putting you in like a pressure cooker for the last season. Even if they don't pull like off the way, even if they don't pull off the ending successfully, they usually f- the it usually feels intense, right? The yeah. stakes are always there, and now it's like there was a line this week, which was a great line, but I think epitomizes my entire sort of hollowness feeling of this being the end of one of the great shows of the last. 25 years alexander skarsgård's character they're trying to make a deal and he snaps it but he's like i don't know what your guys fucking deal is i'm just trying to make you rich kendall says we are already rich and to that point it's like all right i don't see any of these characters ultimately coming to some sort of cathartic resolution about the purpose of life i don't see any of them bottoming out to zero so if there is no grand finale, which may not be the point, which may just be like, this is a day in the life micro look at rich, scummy people. And that's fine. But I just don't feel that sort of epic sense that I would hope to. There have been moments, episode three specifically, where I'm like, all right, you know, this is at its peak. I actually thought episode four, The Wake, was better because it was the entire main cast Sort of like the end of Thrones where they finally got them all in one room and all the A-listers are just trading barbs. So I have enjoyed the season as a whole, but in terms of like a definitive ending, I just don't feel like I'm there yet. Granted, there's still half the season left, so it could still get there. I don't need like grand pronouncements or or action or anything. I just need something that that feels thematically satisfying and within the realm of like what, what the journey these characters have been on their histories and what we know of their psyches like that's that's really what what i'm looking for and i don't need it to be again some some massive change or like they all die in a helicopter crash i i don't need that i just that's not what i'm saying either but what i do need is a sense of payoff for investing five years into the show and not just oh the kids are rich but they're a bit more of dicks and their dad is dead now that's not gonna do it for me i i think with Logan passing away and the fate of the company up for grabs that is setting them up to essentially end on a note that to us, we can accept and believe, okay, that is setting the tone for the rest of these characters lives. So more or less, we know where they're heading for better and for worse. And it's probably down in the shitter in a lot of emotional and mental ways. Yeah. Like are they setting up Shiv to wind up just like her mom? Are they setting up Kendall to wind up just like her dad? These are things that I'm fine with, 
but I do want a little bit of more of a gut punch, especially in the admittedly genius way in which they killed off Logan. Fine, brilliant, but it does, because of the sheer design of it, it does lack that sort of knockout punch feel to it. I I think it depends on what you're looking for as the viewer. I think that might be a case-by-case basis type of thing. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Next big news of the week is CinemaCon is underway in Las Vegas. I actually, I've been hearing like tons of um, horror stories about trying to apply. I did for the first time, got in, but unfortunately had something come up with family, couldn't make it, et cetera, et cetera. Wish I was there. Hopefully we'll try to go next year. I think that the biggest thing coming out of it so far as it relates to this podcast is the new trailer for The Flash. More specifically, I think the reactions to the film and then the discourse around it. B, based on the tweet that you said, quote, wow, you seem to like this trailer quite a bit. I actually think it is a lot worse than the first one. I am becoming concerned that Hollywood has realized that audiences are willing to just accept shit CGI and they're just going to shove it down our throats till we choke at this point because man as much as i seem to be as much as i am preparing myself to enjoy the emotional core of sort of Barry's journey, the multiversal excitement of all these characters, it looks and i sent out a tweet from postcred pod it looks like fortnite and that to me is deeply concerning. so first thoughts on the trailer and how you're feeling about the film at this point. I think it looks dope. I just cannot believe, I cannot believe that we are looking at a world where Ezra Miller is going to remain as the Flash. Like that boggles my mind. But yeah, I I think the movie looks awesome. I think it's definitely going to get lost up its own butthole in nostalgia, uh, like cameo multiversal shenanigans. And I think just by virtue of quote unquote, like being last because we had the Arrowverse do it, we had Sony do it with Spider-Verse. Now we've had a lot of Marvel doing it. Like we might be a little tired of this in terms of like, hey, this can be used to be great effect, but it still is at the end of the day, a very effective narrative crutch that we're looking like, hey, Michael Keaton and all this cool stuff that you love from the last 30 years. And again, it, it can work, but I think after the flash and after Spider-Verse 2, which, I, which gets all the passes, I'm, I'm kind of good on multiverse stories. And I know, obviously, Marvel's got a lot more to come, but eh, eh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> good. But I think this trailer looks sick. I think it looks like so much fun. I really think the kind of emotional journey of Barry from Flashpoint is carried over well. Yeah. And yeah, like, obviously, I just said all that, but like, obviously, I'm excited to see Mac- Michael Keaton as Batman. I'm only human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see Ben Affleck as Batman. That's my guy. They'll get the tired uh, versus wired. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I didn't watch the second trailer. I'm not going to. I, I've heard it kind of gives away a lot. And I what feel did like they give away? I don't fucking I don't know. know. I I've watched heard it. that there's a spoiler <laughs> in it, but I'm yeah. not smart enough to figure it out. Someone yet. said that in the group chat. And I and I was too embarrassed to be like, what's what's the spoiler? I didn't I don't understand. <laughs> I couldn't identify what the big thing was but once i saw that i was like all right i'm definitely not going to parse through it because i i remain mad about their choice to put um doomsday in the oh that that was yes trailer so i'm like eternally scarred by that yeah yeah i i try to uh, my rule is i try not to watch any trailers but i also do a podcast about movies that you do that it's really difficult uh it's it's easier for everything that's <laughs> Wait, not. Wait, put words to that face you just it's, made. It's just like I, I, you know, Kate, I love you, but like I hate <laughs> people are like, 
why would you want anything spoiled in the movie? Like this is this is like the only way to go in like pure. I'm like, no, you know what? I want to decide for myself. Does that look good? Does That's that look like shit? Am I gonna go spend money? I decided in 2014 <laughs> I was gonna see this movie though. <laughs> when they announced it. So <laughs> That's fair. But I just hate that like pure attack. Wow, Cade won B zero. <laughs> Continue, Cade. But no, I, I mean it really just depends on the movie. Some movies I'm like, I'll watch like a 30 second clip and I'll be like, all right in out whatever but besides the point um i think i'm i'm still really excited for this movie uh just the little tidbits i've seen through gifts and whatnot look really cool um that i i am surprised because i was kind of like i thought it looked like the visual effects were pretty solid in the first trailer but some of again this could be people nitpicking since i haven't seen the whole thing but there were a couple of shots where i was like really like that shot of Flash, the other Flash, and Superboy, Super, Superboy, Supergirl coming out of the Batwing, and like yeah. it looks like someone put a Fortnite background on it, yeah. and I'm like, that's a little odd. Um, if I was still a reporter, I would interview a visual effects artist on like the state of visual effects quality and be like, wait, like, like this trailer, everyone's talking about, like thumbs up or thumbs down for yeah. someone. Or someone I like mean, you I think it's pretty well worn that the fact is all these VFX houses are backed up there is an over saturated market in terms of cgi films when you look at the percentage of films that use them but what confuses me about the flash is that it's been in the works forever yeah like they've had plenty of time they finished shooting but then again it's like conversely it's like how else do you depict two people who are fast as the speed of light and a superhuman alien so that is sort of the give and take. And I think that that is ultimately like the internal struggle that the film going culture is going to have to wage within itself in coming years. You want these increasingly <sighs> fantastical stories? Don't expect it to look like heat. <laughs> like at the end I don't of think the this day. movie looks that bad either. Like, yeah. I think there's no, a but it looks in it. It not only does it look CGI, it looks like I'm watching a video game, which is almost remember when um Ang Lee tried that super hyper FPS thing with uh Billy Lynn's halftime walk, and everyone Gemini was like, Man No, yeah. please stop. This is the other side of that coin, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it. it this movie also has like a hyper stylized look to it. It feels like it's trying to exist within Snyder's style, but still have like its own like ripple on it. You know, it's like, cause it's, it's obviously imi- not imitating. It is using one of his movies as like the story, which is man of steel. Right. Yeah. So like you want to make sure that if you're going to go back to man of steel and you're going to exist within that movie, basically it looks right. And so, but you also don't want to be like, I'm copying Snyder. So like, there's this weird. But Man of Steel looked better then than this does now. Granted, I've not yes. seen the full film, but that's just my first takeaway. From no, it. absolutely. At the end of the day, I'm willing to forgive occasionally bad CGI if the movie is good. Like the, yeah. like the rhino in Black Panther and like the dragon at the end of Shang-Chi. Like, I don't even think about those anymore. I don't Same care. It, it's good right. for like a, a one-off joke in a, in a tweet right yeah. out, of, out of the theater. But then it just, it does not bother me after that if the movie is good. Now, it can take you out of the moment, sure, but like, like it has to be disastrous for me to be like, I, I excommunicate this film from my- But I think an off-putting object is different than an off-putting setting. What I'm seeing in The Flash is not so much that the characters look strange, it's that the background looks strange. Yeah, I, I think that's worse than a character because characters usually go by so fast and whatever, right, exactly. like you can, you can get past it. 
But if like, this looks like, like a Windows Mac yeah. wallpaper background, you know. So you know, it's, I think that's the like problem. Scooby Marvel's Doo when they run and the background doesn't change. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. The next thing I want to touch on is the discourse around it. I talk about on this show all the time, confirmation bias. I went into the Batman being like, dude, you've got to reel it in here. You've got to try to analyze this somewhat objectively, but it's You're hard. Just- People love the things that they love. People hate the things that they hate. So when you give me a movie with The Flash in what sounds like a legitimately compelling turn, arguably the most beloved actor slash comic book superhero portrayal of all time, plus a new introduction of a Superman-related character that we've never seen on film before, plus... We've seen Supergirl on film. It was just a really bad film. In the 1980s. Oh, oh okay, right. okay, yeah. okay. Um, but don't watch it. It's so bad. Okay. okay. What is that? Three or four? No, no. She she got her own movie. Oh, whoa! It's, like, it's absolute disaster. Oh shit! I didn't even know that. Wow. Probably four the better. And the general excitement around the growing DCU, it doesn't surprise me that people are giddy about it. What does surprise me is like the Tom Cruise thing, right? Like what? Like That's what? So random. Tom Cruise is so fucking rich that there's no way that this is a mar- like a paid favor unless David Zaslav knows that Tom Cruise murdered somebody to get into the Church of Scientology. Like I don't allegedly that's just a joke. That's just a joke. Tom Cruise, <laughs> don't come sue me. I don't I don't know exactly why he would say something like this and why a report would come out like this unless he genuinely meant it. This is a guy yeah. who peak COVID showed up to tenant was like back to the cinema wearing a full mask. So I just, you combine it's, it's that. like the most Tom Cruise thing, actually. What is? And it's a movie that's coming out around the time of his movie too. So he doesn't have to worry about like, there's no big blockbusters this summer I can get behind. I got I to gotta support the flash. Like he doesn't. It is a month. It's about a month. Yeah. Kid. But still. Still, still the biz, like the business fit. savage yeah, yeah. that Tom Cruise is, yeah. you would think. So unless Zaslav knows where the bodies are buried, my assumption is that Cruz genuinely loved it. So you take a man who is the human embodiment of blockbuster film, and then you add the reactions that we've seen. Now, there's this one guy on Twitter. I'm not going to name him on here because I don't want to be rude. If you want to see who I mean, go to my Twitter account. But he was like, I am ashamed of my profession. This is, you know, I am so embarrassed. People are corporate shills and i quote tweeted i was like oh you mean people who voluntarily move professional movie fans who flew out to las vegas who were the first people in the world to see a highly anticipated 200 million dollar blockbuster are pumped by what they've seen so now criticism is dead and film journalists could get fucked but i think the truth is somewhere in between those two things right what how do we parse what the actual quality of the film is versus our excitement for it. And ultimately, I don't, I think the answer to that question is there is none. That is what enjoying film is. It is a blend of heart and mind. So if your heart overwhelms your mind, I think that that's fine. I I think that first of all, that was all beautifully said and I couldn't agree more with everything you said. 
but I think we actually do parse it really well because every time, every time one of these things comes out, there are glowing social media reactions being like, it was so much fun. It was so much this, one of the best things ever. And then the actual reviews come out and we see more of like an even keeled split. But this is turned up to 11, right, B? But I'm saying this is on steroids. (laughs) So what do you make of it to this extent? I don't don't give any of those reactions credence. I'm going to wait. I think the trailers look good. I think the movie looks good. I believe like Warner Brothers knew it had a hit on its hand which is why it's weathered a lot of the storms that it has but like at the end of the day i'm gonna go in and and have my opinion when i see it by the way they did screenings for this movie outside of cinemacon i don't know if many people know that there were screenings on warner brothers a lot where they brought people who they knew would not be at cinemacon and they had them watch the movie and there was a q a there that is a thing that happens so there are people who were just like well, I guess I'm going to go see The Flash. <laughs> like under this week, like this same screening time. I don't know if it was this week. I don't know when it happened, but uh, this, this happened. do that purposely. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. Um, this happened so that then the embargo was in, you know, lined up where everyone who saw the movie at this screening would then be able to react to it when the CinemaCon screening was over. So People seem to like it no matter where they saw it, but uh, I do agree with you. Like, um, I think what's more important is how the reviews are written. And I think most people, you leave the theater, you're out of fucking 11. You've just walked out of a great experience. You're going to feel really positive. And then on the drive home or wherever, that's when you start to process and think and you talk to other people and you get your, your actual thoughts in place. And that's fine. Fucking your reactions on twitter you're not no i'm not getting paid to be on twitter some people think i do like i'm not joking i have no in fact some are paying to be on twitter (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) um you know relevant zing it's just it's just an extension of you and i think as long as you're not being a fucking asshole uh you know, in your review and showing your ass, then who cares? And let me just say, as somebody who is a noted Batman fan, truthfully, what I am excited most about it from what I've seen is the emotional core of this Flashpoint S story. I'm fucking there. Romantic sci-fi. That's technically what this is. You know, all yeah. fa- speaking of which, I'm hearing Gareth Edwards' new film with uh, Jonathan David Washington and Gemma Chan, which is a love story set between a battle between humans and AI. They showed a bit of footage there. Supposedly playing AI again. I don't know which one of them is doing it because they're both fucking cardboard ass actors. So it really doesn't matter. But I heard it looks phenomenal. Rogue One Nation, we move. We organize, we rise, we move. Oh my God, that's great. Very exciting um, for you. I, I, that's, that's amazing. I'm just going to. I'm going to leave that be, but just, just to kind of bounce off what, what Kate said too. I've said this on Twitter a million times. The word masterpiece has lost all meaning and people who overuse it have lost all connection to reality. Dune 2, Denny Villeneuve's masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, if anything is going to be a masterpiece this year, I, I would bet on on that. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, maybe like, like I'd I, say there I, are some real masterpieces actually yeah. coming out this year. I, I always say like, there should be like, you should get like one and a half masterpieces Barbie. a year, like top. Like <laughs> you can't go over one and a half. So I, I and I didn't see anyone necessarily say the Flash is a masterpiece, but it's in line with what we're talking about. These no, old, I'm seeing the same old reactions. best DC film since Dark Knight. 
Yeah, just throw up the picture of the Aquaman and Shazam and all those other movies that got that praise. Uh, I mean, really, there are some things that just need to be taken out of reviewers' vocabulary. I think the word like visceral, like I've taken that out of my vocabulary. Stop using iconic young critics. (laughs) I was guilty of it for far too long, but I learned. At a certain point, when you realize you're going back to the same well, you gotta you gotta go find a new well. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we are come back, we are talking about video game adaptations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we are back. We are talking about the recent success of video game adaptations that we have seen this year. Of course, we covered The Last of Us on this show, but most notably, especially since we've been off the air for the last few weeks, is the Super Mario Bros. film, which Kate has seen, and that's about it, right? I saw it. Oh, fantastic. It has made $900 million so far. It will cross $1 billion. Brandon, I believe at some point at this podcast, I told you that it would when you published your list, and I was like, what about Mario? And Mario? Oh yeah, you're one of those. Well, I've heard Mario it's like a. I, I've heard it's like a New York Jersey thing. To be it honest, is. it's Mario. What did I say, Mario? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, guys. this was always going to be successful. I didn't doubt that. But all right, so you guys have seen it. You guys are more apt to speak on it than me. Thoughts? Uh, I I really in well. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I I uh, I'll probably never watch it again, but I, I had fun with it, and that's all that matters. Like it's it's not a movie that's made for me to rewatch. It's made for little kids to put on the TV and over and over again. Um, but I found it really fun. Uh, I found it really uh, cute and like stays true to the source material and uses it in fun ways to like interact with the narrative and stuff. You know, Mario is not a series known for really having a story. There is a story, but like it's not anything, you know, it's gonna break your fucking brain. Um, so well, 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 no, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying from its complex standpoint, <laughs> but from a sheer like, oh, Italian plumber gets yeah. sucked into a magical kingdom through a pipe. Those That's those boys nuts. in Japan blow your mind. something <laughs> when they, they came up with these games, but uh, you know, like they weave in the idea, like the mechanics. I always talk about the stuff, you know, just like the blocks always having these powers and what they're used for, and like the Mario Karts have like a narrative reason and stuff. It's great to see them find a way to like justify all this stuff and bring it to life. Uh, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see more of these. I want to see a Luigi's Mansion game or movie, and I want to see. Uh, more Nintendo stuff. And it sounds like Nintendo is pretty on board with more movies, which given they swore off movies for decades after the original Mario movie, it's great to see them being like, we got lots of them coming. Don't yeah, worry. and then they saw Rise of Gru make $1 billion. Like, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are we doing here? So, somebody call these guys. <laughs> exactly. Brandon? 
Uh, I I give it a zero because it didn't include my favorite Mario Kart line where Mario's like, here, here, here we go. And I just love that shit. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I, I agree a lot with, with Kay. Like I, get, I walk out giving it like a C. It was cute enough. There There is no story. It's just stitched together set pieces yeah. that like represent like, you know, Super Mario Brothers, Mario Kart, like other, other Mario's things. And it's fine. But I, I think the idea, despite how exhausted some some might be with the general concept, the idea of a Nintendo cinematic universe is just a no-brainer, particularly since this is hyper... Because Illumination's whole shtick is that it's hyper-geared towards younger kids, which is why they make good stuff, but it's not necessarily my cup of tea, particularly as compared to Pixar or Walt Disney Animation, which is very much including emotional maturity and nuance so that adults dig it too. And Illumination doesn't really care about that, but that's what separates them. And that's why they've reeled off a ton of successful movies in a row. And so to have a Nintendo cinematic universe in that vein, that isn't probably as exhausting as the other shared cinematic universes that we've dealt with over the last decade, really good idea. It's just going to absolutely print money and, it should culminate. I gave an interview uh, yesterday about this. I was talking about it. It should culminate in some sort of like Super Smash Brothers, you know, Avengers style crossover. And like, am I interested in seeing that from like a narrative's perspective? I don't, not a ton, but like, yeah, I'll go to this. I'll go to the theater to see that. I'll buy a ticket. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, okay, <laughs> no. Oh, all right. It <laughs> just rejects the premise. <laughs> and. <laughs> It's a bit cliched at this point to say that the video game curse has been lifted. You know, I don't necessarily think that's true because, you know, there's the one show that I think I'm both excited for and worried about. And I'll let y'all touch on what adaptations you're most hyped for is the one that's, I think, closest in the pipeline. And that's Prime's Fallout. Now, that's coming from the Westworld team, which means one of two things. It could be sick or it could be fucking terrible. And I feel like if they spend a billion dollars on Fallout and it sucks... Then people are going to be like, hold up, wait a minute. Yeah. So I don't necessarily know if it's there. I do think that we have turned a corner. The Last of Us and Mario, specifically because they're on the two other ends of the spectrum, right? Yes, HBO spent a lot of bread on that, but all the characters are dirty as shit. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it is a very parse back, stripped down, human level ground floor show. Whereas Mario is virtually as fantastical and in a more cynical way, dollar driven, even though they both are, you could clearly tell that The Last of Us has something on its mind, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas like Mario is literally like all it's thinking of, whereas you've seen that meme of a chimp just, psh, psh, <laughs> it's just it's Mario good. going, here we go, here we go, here we go. Like, that's it's all a good the thing though, because you have both spec both sides of the spectrum represented. And that that is, and what is what I said too, the, the video game, Chris, had already essentially been lifted, but the back-to-back -back successes of these two things on such different planes of, like, critical quality and, and objective has really dropped the question mark from the video game curse, you know, concept once and for all. Like, you can make something that is successful that is an adaptation of these games if you just do, you know, X, Y, and, and Z correctly. So I, I think anything can be done well, and we've reached a point where creators who grew up with these games are now you know the ones in charge of filmmaking and they take it serious and the resources and the quality is there to support that and this is video games are going to be the next big pipeline of blockbuster ip for hollywood particularly and B, let me say this you've been saying this for what, what feels like at least five years yeah, a long minute. time i mean listen it's not necessarily revolutionary but definitely no but you've that, been banging this drum yeah 
it's so true. Like they, 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 Hollywood needs this because I also wrote a piece when I was uh, towards the tail end of my observer. If you look at a lot of the major franchises across the, the major, you know, five studios, a lot of them are are aging. A lot of them are coming to an end. A lot of them are are hitting, you know, wobbles. And so you, it's interesting that like, where is the next rash of IP going to come from? Because we can't just recycle our libraries ad infinitum in this reboot uh, culture that we're in. So this is where it's going to come from. But why is it taking so long? I mean, is it as simple as, oh, the kids who grew up playing them are now the ones who make the shows? Like, it's like, it's That's not like, it. like they have been adapting books and, uh, you know, adaptations of plays and what have you for decades. So what is the breakthrough here? Trial and error is part of it. You got to remember video games are an active medium and, and screened entertainment is a passive medium. So they have to figure out how to bridge that gap from a narrative storytelling standpoint. They have to figure out how to graft a personality onto a main character who typically, historically, is a little bit blank. So the player can project themselves into that kind of avatar. And now they have to make somebody who's compelling, who can lead a project. And then you have, uh, you know, again, the just the actual uh, fact of like, this is like complicated to build a story around. How do we do it? And you had so many different versions and attempts that were so bad that we've just learned our lesson, much like comic books. You know, it's it's a very similar transition where they were on the periphery of pop culture and were considered a joke by, you know, the gatekeeping mainstream Hollywood and slowly but surely became the bedrock as you know, the perceptions changed over time. So we're seeing a very similar thing with uh, video games. And I really think we've gotten over like the final hurdle. And also too, from a narrative standpoint, like you look at something like first season of Westworld, it's essentially video game characters going on a level around and around. Or you look at the, you know, particularly first season like Mando, it's essentially a lot of like infiltrate a base, which is very video game S. So you also, you saw tenants of video game storytelling make their way into mainstream storytelling. And now it's just the floodgates are open. And, you know, I have high hopes. I'm not even a gamer, but I have very high hopes for the genre moving forward. Hey, you had a slight smirk. I've been sitting over here waiting to say 500 different things, but (laughs) (laughs) no, you're totally okay. Uh, The, the most interesting thing is, so when the last of us was about to come out, there was this quote going around that, Oh, like the last was like the first real video game adaptation or whatever. And people were like, there's a cyberpunk anime. There's arcane. There's all this. I'm like, go fucking watch those things and tell me if they actually adapt the video game. They tell a story within the universe. None. There has not been a successful video game adaptation to date that tells a game's story in a movie or TV show. There's just not Sonic the Hedgehog is not even a Sonic like game at all. Like it is Sonic exists in the real world. That's not a fucking Sonic game and no fucking game. And I mean, like, it's not, it's not, it's just not. <laughs> no, I know, but like, how, you know, how much of a stickler are we going to be? Like, you, I, like, no, you have to create the story. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But like, if they took Batman and dropped him in New York city, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? I here? don't have a problem with it. My, my, my point is just like, no, The Last of Us was the first thing to successfully take the game's story and translate it to another medium without losing anything. It is the game. And everyone who has not played the game can go and watch the show and have the same, mostly same experience as people who played the game in 2013 did. But counterpoint, wasn't The Last of Us considered the most cinematic narrative game ever made? It was. Like, and right. So how, how can you can't really take sonic going around a circle to get rings and make a (laughs) a narrative around that you have to create something else i think 
the Mario movie does exactly that. The Mario movie is very simple, but it, I mean, like, you know, for all of its uh, shortcomings as just a movie that does tell a story, it's still successful of being a Mario game as a movie, right? Mario has to save the kingdom from Bowser and prevent Bowser from kidnapping Peach and making him his wife, <laughs> which is an insane sentence, but uh, that's the games, right? And and they successfully translate that into a movie that's fun to watch and keeps everything intact without changing anything and making some radical adaptation to be like, oh, people won't buy into it or whatever. And then also, this is a common through line with Lassos and Mario. The creators are very involved in these productions. Yeah, uh, Miyamoto, is a producer on Mario. You know, Druckmann helped uh, write, write and direct yeah. and showrun uh, The Last of Us. Um, and it's that's a common thing that's happening now. Uh, PlayStation Productions is a thing that Sony established a couple years ago, which Art. came in as they were kind of wrapping up Uncharted. So I don't think it really got the full PlayStation Productions treatment, but they've greenlit all of these PlayStation movies. And they're like, all right, we're going to go to Corey Barlog, who's the guy, God of War guy, and we're going to make him a producer on the God of War show. And that doesn't mean his name's just attached to it. He's going to be involved. Like Twisted and, Metal, they're really involved. Excuse yeah. me, they're really involved. And like they're, the, the PlayStation studio is like is serious right now. They're, they're Absolutely. making Absolutely. And it's well, when, when I talked to Chad Stahelski, you could tell how yeah. fucking souped he was about the idea of a Ghost of Tsushima film. And these are all people, and like you kind of said earlier, is this just people who grew up with these games finally getting a chance to make these movies? I think that's totally it. I think previously these uh, these studios would look at directors and be like, who's the best director? Yeah. And not necessarily someone who cares. Like David O. Russell was going to do an Uncharted movie. I doubt fucking David O. Russell's <laughs> ever played it, Uncharted. It's the same thing as like Brian Singer not allowing comic books on the set yes. of X-Men. Like finally we've reached a point where we're like, oh no, we're going to have a happy medium between like original creation and honoring the game. And just to add to to like, what a lame director move. There. What a cocksucker <laughs> that guy is. But just to add to the process too, we've also figured out which mediums kind of work best. Like outside of like, resident evil and like very like low budget theatrically you see uh family friendly like comedy and lots of animation do the best both in terms of parrot analytics demand and in terms of box office you see like the more mature you know crime horror drama sci-fi you see those things really now are best suited for either tv or or particularly a streaming home and you've seen that with the success of halo the success of uh witcher and, and other things of that nature so it, it also took time to figure out what might be the best delivery mechanism for the types of video game content we want to put on screen? The mid-2000s got very close with this. Neil Blomkamp was going to do a Halo movie, and there's some test footage out there of that that looks like a Halo, like, better than the shit we got on Paramount. Yeah, uh, that shit was diabolical. Company. I mean, yeah, not, uh, not a great show, but a successful commercial yeah, show. Yeah, and um, what was it? The Bioshock movie script that uh Gore Verbinski was going to direct which just would have been fucking amazing yeah. that script if you go read it is like that's Bioshock like there are some changes in there but it's Bioshock and all of the concept art is like man they were going to go full-blown <laughs> like crazy weird sci-fi bullshit that's and frustrating. It, it got super close to being made but Universal got cold feet they're like this is hard R this is going to be really expensive yeah. I don't think we should do this but and it now, wouldn't have worked then 
Yeah, and it wouldn't have. And it wouldn't but have I think you make the now. case it might not work now theatrically. You could yeah, make Netflix that Netflix is gonna do it, and I think that's the the safe bet is there are a lot of people who would be like, What the fuck is that? Why would I go pay money to see that in a theater? But they're gonna see it on Netflix and be like, you know, I got two hours to kill, they'll have some big star in it, and they're gonna be like, All right, I'll give this a shot. So, Cade, you are our in-house video game expert. What are some of the adaptations that you're most hyped for if you just had to bang out a few? Oh, like announced ones? Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, the Gran Turismo movie sounds super fucking cool, which I never uh-huh. thought I'd say. Which um, one's um, Chad Stileski's? That's Ghost of Tsushima. Sick. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Um, and it, if you just go look at pictures and just imagine like him behind the camera, you're just going to be like, oh, yeah, this is going to rock. Um, there's a lot. Like I won't even go into all of them, but yeah, Bioshock and god of war i mean there's so many cool things on the horizon i'm yeah. very excited about is god right. of war the one with kratos the yep. gray guy yep yep, yep. Cool. the gray guy yep he, those are the ashes of his family by the way burnt into his skin so that's that's pretty metal yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right in light of our video game conversation the three of us are going to build our perfect video game project it could be a movie or tv i don't care you're going to name the IP, then you're going to name the genre, then you are going to name the director slash showrunner, and then you are going to name the star. You can name, you know, you could just come with one, you come with a couple, whatever floats your boat, Cade. As I said, you are our video game expert, so I'll let you start, pal. I have a couple, but the one that really stuck out to me is like a really interesting one was a Grand Theft Auto 4 movie from the Safdie brothers. Who's for? Uh, that's Nico Bellic. Or uh, where's for? That's in New York. Okay. Um, Grand Theft Auto Safety Brothers. Like, yeah. I'm in. Like, let's go. Yeah. Why they, are they, they not doing that, that? They have that grit, but that humor as well. So they can they can balance those tones because Grand Theft Auto is is a very gritty like game. And it, it's like if you look at Grand Theft Auto Four, like visually and aesthetically, it's the black sheep of the franchise. Where it's just like it's this post 9/11 like uh commentary and like it's all this stuff and talking about immigration and the collapse of the economy and all this stuff that's like not really stuff they talk about in other gta games and it's just like oh yeah like this could be cool um i don't know who would play nico bellic because he's this eastern european immigrant and i don't really know vigo oh yeah sure fuck it why not he doesn't really look <laughs> like him young, but yeah. you know i'm dying black right yeah, sure why not uh, and then the genre is obviously crime. Um, do you want to go through? A- I didn't. I don't know enough about video games <laughs> to even try. But right now, here, right now, I'm going to say we should make live action Madden and call it the NFL, and it'll be a really big thing in America and like slowly expand outwards. It's brilliant. <laughs> I was, was going to come with that same joke. I was going to be like, a few years ago, they made this game about this character called Spider Man. And he flips around the city. <laughs> uh, all right. So, okay. Then you and I will just bounce back and forth. Sure. The Bioshock project has been in the works forever. I know, but I have particularly been beating this drum for a long time because three is up there with my favorite games I've ever played as a totality. It's one of my favorite game franchises. Now, in terms of my genre, it's a sci-fi mystery vibe, but I also want to add a dash of Station Eleven vibes just for a bit of heart. Now, it's heavy sci-fi. I mean, it takes place in an underground in an underwater world in a sky floating world, but it's also got a bit of a neo-noir vibe to it. And my first pick 
was, you know, just as I was starting to think, was Chad Stahelski because given his world building, given his use of lighting and cinematography, which I would think look unreal, sort of the neon lit world of the Bioshock City, which name escapes me, Rapture, uh, and of course his set piece prowess. But when I think about the soul of the project, it is really just a true hard-boiled sci-fi film, and I can't think of a better fit than that than Alex Garland. You know, he hasn't really quite tackled something that big yet, but I think that this would be a nice next step for him. And my star, I if I was making a Bioshock project, I would try to figure out a way to meld one and two and three. I don't really know how you do that, but the first two don't really have a... I don't know if, like, the protagonist in the first two is, like, as featured as he is in the third one where he's got a name and a face. But of course I'm going to once again, insert my boy, Jake G Gyllenhaal into the Bioshock series. I would want this to be a show. I would want it to be a show just because the world is so expansive. You literally want to investigate every corner of that world. So I just don't see how they do that in a film series. Um, I would say for my next one, I'm a big call of duty guy. And Call of Duty has some of the most cinematic stories out there. I mean, they're like five, six hours long, and they're just like pedal to the metal, fucking guns, explosion, uh, cool shit. Bad, I feel like war cool movies have really made a comeback lately, too. Oh, yeah. And I was literally thinking about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're Canadian kid. Oh, yeah. No, we're um, too polite to have a war, though, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the the Covenant had me thinking of, like, some of the action scenes. I'm like, oh, this is making like, a great Call of Duty movie. Uh, was, um, like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is, like, that is all it is. It's just, like, Michael Bay. So, Michael Bay is going to do this. That's my pick here. And then, like, have, like, someone like Tom Hardy as Captain Price, you know, just fucking... <laughs> It'd be so great. And it, like This is Kate's destiny. This is Kate's job. I have envisioned Call of Duty like movies in my head like multiple times and was just like, oh, I, I know I could do it if I knew how to direct the movie. I was like, <laughs> I have the vision in my head. Um Hey, write write a spec and sell it. Honestly, like I know they've they've tried over the last like 10 years, like a Call of Duty, like they said like a cinematic universe, but like they had someone writing something and then it Bro, just that that is I hope that shit dies. Not every IP needs to be a cinematic universe. Just make a few dope war films. Sure. Yeah. Leave yeah. it at that. You know what the, I mean? Like how fucking hard is this? The irony is they're making like a Call of Duty like game universe right now. Like all of the games are starting to connect more than they ever did in the past. Like Black Ops and Modern Warfare were pretty separate from each other, but uh now that they've rebooted Modern Warfare and kind of brought Black Ops back to like the Cold War and stuff, they're like, oh, this Modern Warfare character is in Black Ops now. And you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Um, now that so- you're just talking about like Call of Duty and the connected stuff, like I, I think it would be really sick if they kind of did a Black Mirror thing where it's like three hour long episodes and each episode is just like a different war throughout history and stuff like that would be cool. I'd be down. I mean, with that's that. what Call of Duty was when it like first started was like it was all just like World War Two. There wasn't really a story. It was just like, here's the greatest battles and we're going to put you in it. And yeah. Then, uh, you know, Modern Warfare was like, we're going to just do some insane bullshit like the city gets nuked and now there's Russians shooting up airports. And then um, they went even further and like, now we've got fucking jetpacks, bitches. <laughs> yeah. Now we're in space and David Bowie's playing and it's fucking yeah. awesome. So Wait, David yeah. Bowie? That, that's in the trailer for the uh, Infinite Warfare reveal. <laughs> all right. My next one is a swing. It probably is very dumb, but I am going for a Legend of Zelda film series. Yeah. 
I'm tapping Peter Jackson because who oh. better to helm a sort of uh, fantasy action adventure franchise? And then this is like, all right, you know, I'm I'm doing the best I can here. I'm going for Anya Taylor Joy as Zelda, and I'm going for Paul Mescal as Link. I don't know. That's a swing. I don't. Yeah. Link was hard. Zelda, yeah. I thought of like three actresses, but Link is particularly hard. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Netflix was once developing I think like, I a did bunch not. of stuff, and then it leaked, and Nintendo went in and canceled all of it because of it. It leaked. They were pissed. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so, around. no, they don't. They're scary. That some guy just like got out of jail for hacking the Nintendo Switch, and now owes Nintendo twenty to thirty percent of the rest of his income for the rest of his life. Yeah, Which at I this, saw that. that point, I think I'd probably just die. Like, honestly, like, fuck that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's a good pick. What do you got, there Kate? Was, there was a rumor recently. I don't even know. I don't really fully even understand the rumor. But Dead Space, John Carpenter. Uh, <laughs> oh, which, he just said he liked it. I, I, I yeah, think he, he just said he thought it. it was dope. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said... He said something, someone I asked him if he'd do a movie or whatever, and he said, oh, like a studio's doing it or whatever. And then a recent, even more recent rumor came out was like, oh, yeah, like there is a movie coming. I don't know if he's doing it, but it's a whole thing. Either way, he'd be great. I don't think John Carpenter has any interest in directing movies anymore, though. He hasn't made How one. It's like, it's it gotta be in 80s by now. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I know we have some 80 and 90 year old directors, but yeah. it's still uncommon. <laughs> But yeah, that would be great. I mean, especially you just look at the thing and Dead Space is a pretty dead ringer. And then just like, I don't have any directors or anything for this, but just like rapid firing some IPs that I think would make great movies. Infamous, it's a PlayStation superhero franchise uh, with like a morality system where you can kind of be a little little bad and you, you have like electricity powers and stuff. It's pretty sweet. I like uh-huh. the idea of like more original superheroes too. So it's not just yeah. like, hey, we've got 60 years of comic books that we have to yeah. figure out. I, I love the idea of like, Basically, nobody in the mainstream knows what this is. Let's yeah, do it. yeah, it's a cool franchise too. Um, Wolfenstein, I think, just like that Overlord movie that came out a few years ago, it's like Underrated. pretty pretty close to Wolfenstein. And I think if you just expand that concept even more, it'd be great. I don't know. Uh, we, I I mentioned Red. You mentioned if I would take Red Dead as like a movie or TV show. I think right. they should leave it alone. Uh, I think it it's it's such a good example of its medium. It'd be hard to do successfully. And yeah, but you know that that's not going to happen. It will. Well, Rockstar is very like, they have sworn off adaptations for the longest time. Like they're like, we're (laughs) not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. I don't know if that's going to change. Everyone's going to do it because they need multimedia expansion and and the revenue growth. Everyone is going to do it. I promise. It's, it seems like now is more likely than ever. If it does happen, we will see. I know an Eminem starring Grand Theft Auto movie was talked about with Rockstar at one That's point. That's sick. That's that perverted. was like early, mid-2000s. Um, I don't know, though. I, I, Who if would you they, put in it now? Fuck, I don't know. Uh, who's who's bad? Like, who's like a bad boy? Like, <laughs> you can put in it. I don't know. Um, you, Cade, in that hat. Uh, <laughs> listen... <laughs> Listen, my final one, I know that B brought it up. This Mario film feels like it's going to end to uh, Avengers Endgame style Super Smash Bros. film. So that much is already out there. I'm going to tap Lord and Miller because who better for such a film than those two? And I tried to do some fun casting. So obviously, since I already cast Paul Mescal's Link, going to cross that over. I've got Brie Larson as Samus, Sasha Baron Cohen as Waluigi Danny McBride. Fired. 
Danny McBride as Wario, John Hamm as Captain Falcon, Chris Pine as Dr. Mario for superior Chris purposes, <laughs> Jeff, Jeffrey Wright as Mewtwo, Bradley, oh. Coop, <laughs> Bradley Cooper as Fox because he's got the experience playing such a character, and let's cross over Ryan Reynolds, Pikachu. I love it. That's I like good. this, man. I, I'd get down with that for sure. Yep. All right. Thanks for joining the Post-Credit Podcast. It is good to be back again. Make sure to follow Cade at Cade underscore Onder and all of his work at comicbook.com. Brandon at great underscore Catsby and all of his work at Parrot Analytics. Myself, Eric Italiano and Bro Bible and Postgred Pod. Leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you could find to leave us a review. Tune in next week. We will be covering a bit more Succession, a bit more Barry and of course Guardians of the Galaxy 3. All right, y'all. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.